Energy ratings are designed to show homeowners how much their home contributes to greenhouse gas emissions. But most people see them as how economical their home is to run. There are so many contributing factors that make a home energy efficient, and the higher the rating, the better it is. However, there are plenty of economical changes people can make to their homes to make their home more energy efficient. Today, we're going to find out what they are direct from the government. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your host is Sue Langder. Real Estate Right will be back in 2022 with more great tips, more individualised episodes and more fabulous guests to help you get your real estate right. If there is anything in Melbourne real estate that you want to know more about, just send me an email at sue at realestateright.com.au and I will be happy to create it. Jodie Pipcorn has been working with sustainable housing for government for the last 14 years. Previously an architect in both the UK and Melbourne, Jodie is now leading the introduction of the new home energy ratings across Australia as part of the Nationwide House Energy Ratings Scheme team within the Commonwealth Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources. Welcome, Jodie. How are you today? Very good. Thank you, Sue. Thanks for coming on today. Now, you must find your work so rewarding. Now, what made you change from architecture to working for the government to create sustainable housing initiatives? The key driver for me was that I was working on one building at a time as an architect and so I was finding I was having a minimal impact. So I thought, why don't I go to government because they could potentially impact the whole of Australia. So I'll go to government and see what changes I can make in government to make all of our homes across Australia more sustainable. That sounds pretty a pretty good reason to be doing it and it's probably the reason why I started this podcast because I have so many people asking me all these little questions and I'm like, how do I go around helping them with all of this sort of stuff? And um, I just thought the podcast was a good way of getting it out there. Now, to get the ball rolling, what are energy ratings and how do we know what rating our homes have? Okay, so energy ratings are a measure of how energy efficient a home is. Uh, The Nationwide House Energy Rating Scheme, which is a a national uh, scheme across Australia, it's known as NATOS, um, and it provides Mm -hmm. a rating scale from 0 to 10 stars, and it basically means that the more stars you've got, the more energy efficient your home is. At the moment, NATOS does just look at the thermal shell of the building, so the construction of your walls, your floor, your ceiling, where your windows are located, how much sun comes into the house. Um, But in the future, we are looking at making that star rating broader and actually looking at appliances as well. Yeah. So your oven, your fridge, your television. That's not included at this point in time. In the the future, though, those things? In the the future, it'll be um, primarily fixed appliances. So what's your hot water system doing and what? your heating and cooling system because they actually make up the majority of your energy use in a house. Um, Your cooking and other 
appliances are much lower down on the list, okay. uh, but it does take into account some of those factors uh, when it's determining how much solar power do you need to power that home if you were to use solar power. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Now, is Natas looking after Australian standards or Victorian standards? So Natos isn't actually a standard itself. Okay. So Natos is actually just a, a rating system um, or a, a scheme that basically determines what a house can be. So it's that part of it. We do have standards, though, yes. through the National Construction Code and their national standards yep. that each jurisdiction adopts, and those standards do have a minimum requirement of being six stars in Victoria. Yeah. Um, but there are I suppose, a number of different pathways you can demonstrate compliance with the minimum requirements. So NATOs is just one of those pathways. Okay. At the moment, around 90% of buildings across Australia use NATOs as the pathway okay. to demonstrate compliance, but there are other options that you can use um, in the National Construction Code. So you don't have to use NATOs, it's not mandatory, mm. but it is the option that most people use because they find it is the best way that they can get a really cost-effective um, solution mm-hmm. to meeting those requirements and actually end up with a, a better designed home because of it. Okay. Now, there's got to be somebody who determines what our home's energy rating is. Who would that be? So it's actually determined by a combination of a tool and assessors. Yeah. So there's okay. trained and accredited assessors, so they're NATO's accredited assessors, and they yeah. use these software tools to calculate what the energy rating is going to be. So they take information from, for new buildings, they take information from the floor plans and from the spe- building specifications yes. and all of that documentation that you have to build a new home. And they plug that data mm-hmm. into a software tool that then calculates how much energy is needed to heat and cool that home. And the result yeah. of that heating and cooling load is what determines where you fall on that rating scale. So the worse your house is designed, the more energy it's going to take to heat and cool the home, Mm -hmm. which then means that um, because it takes more energy, it's going to be a lower star rating. Yeah. Whereas if you have a house that's got good north orientation, so you're actually capturing the sun coming in, um, so it's natural sun, you don't actually have to heat and cool the house because the sun's doing that for you. Mm -hmm. You actually... Um, the tools determine that you don't actually need much heating or cooling energy, so therefore you're going to have a much better star rating. Yeah, sounds good. So those assessors, would they be your architect on your property or would they be an uh, independent engineer or a combination of anybody? So to be to be an assessor, you've actually got to go through a certificate for in training yes. specifically for rating homes. So um, an architect or an engineer or someone working on your home may choose to be an accredited okay. assessor or there are actually people who have um, chosen to just be an accredited assessor and that's what their profession is and therefore architects will go, similar to architects going to an engineer, they'll also go to an energy assessor to get a rating for a home. So some architecture firms actually have uh, um, assessor in their, in their firm. Uh, business yep. that they can actually work closely and a lot of um, large building companies do that so they actually have an in-house assessor who actually can do those assessments as needed and so it really depends on what structure they've got set up. Yeah, so the Metricons and the Cutter Grangers you'd think they would have those people in their business basically yeah so yeah yep. and like yep. if you're going to go to, for a, a custom builder you'd probably ask them that question or architect you know like have you got accreditation uh yeah yep. to do that so 
like if you're wanting to go more energy efficient, you choose an architect probably based on the fact that they've got that accreditation because they've actually got that in their sole personality, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Either that or either that or someone in the they work it as part of their their business because um, again, it, it can be people who are trained assessors that are looking slightly differently to possibly an architect who's looking okay. at different aspects. Yeah. But the, the key thing is is um, getting those assessments early so you're actually using that to inform the design of the building. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases what happens is someone goes, I like this design, let's work on this design, and then right at the end of the process before they have to submit it for um, compliance purposes, they'll go, oh, can you do the rating on this? And by then, because they've already designed the home and they may not have embedded those really good principles from the outset, they find the rating is really bad and what they have to do is they have to basically up-spec the home, mm. um, which costs more, to basically say, how do we get this across the line? It's okay. You're going to have to put in triple glazed windows, a whole lot more insulation, and you're going to have to do a whole lot of other steps yeah. that are more costly to do. Rather than going, oh, if you had to just put this window on that side of the house, that would have gotten you the north. Therefore, it would have been cheaper, and you didn't have to do any of those other things. Yeah. So it really is the benefit of getting um, an assessor and an as accredited assessor in yeah. right at the start, yeah. as much as possible. I think that's probably the best advice. You know, you could probably get, do it with that in mind first when you're building a home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Now, are there energy ratings for existing homes or just new homes? No, there are energy ratings for existing homes and um, Natos is actually going through a, a transition process at the moment to bring, um, make those ratings even more prevalent and possible. Mm-hmm. So at the moment to rate an Previously to rate an existing home, you could use those same Natos tools that you use for new homes, but it was quite a lot more complicated, particularly if you don't have house plans and could Mm. be quite expensive to measure up the house. Um, Recently, Natos has actually just endorsed the National Scorecard Initiative, which the national, a lot of Victorians in particular would um, know about the Victorian Residential Efficiency Scorecard, Mm -hmm. which has been operating in Victoria for a while now. That's actually gone national. And so Natos has endorsed that because it's um, providing ratings and it's um, using similar methodologies to what Natos currently does. And basically what happens there is a trained and accredited assessor goes into the home and because you don't have house plans, they'll actually go around the home and collect data and information about the house, like which orientation are the windows in, Mm -hmm. what sort of shading have they got on the outside, where, you know, what's the building like internally, how many big gaps are there, and they actually provide uh, a rating from that. And they also include the appliances. So where Natos is currently moving to appliances, the scorecard initiative currently does that already. And what's happening is we're actually learning off all of the national scorecard initiative and bringing a lot of their processes into Natos to offer a Natos in-home assessment, so where you can assess homes not off the plan but in a home. Mm -hmm. And there'll be some changes made to the National Scorecard Initiative and the tool as that gets developed and the intention is later next year we'll actually um, have accredited NATOs in-home tools mm-hmm. within NATOs. We'll have assessments being offered for both new and existing homes and there'll be a whole suite of um, ratings and information for people that can get a rating for every type of or primarily most of the houses in Australia. Yeah, sounds like a huge initiative, but a very worthwhile one. Definitely. 
I would suggest that homes built in the 70s to 90s are probably the least efficient homes out there. Well, that's my opinion. Would would you consider the same or would you think older homes or where would you say the the architecture was a bit crap when it comes to energy efficiency? <laughs> well, I'd say um, the a lot of the energy efficiency standards came into play in the 90s. Um, they yeah. actually came in nationally in 2003. So I'd say yeah. pre-2003, it varied across the country as to what standards were in place for energy efficiency. Uh, there has been some data um, that has through one of the uh, national projects that actually looked at what's the energy use in different houses in the different era. And they actually mm-hmm. found in terms of energy use uh, that mm. older houses pre, I think, 1980 actually use less energy than those built between 1980 and 2000. Yeah. The thing, the difference though is that, um, they may have been not energy efficient homes. It may be because the homes are so hard to heat, people just choose not to heat them so they don't use the energy. And okay. the key thing about energy efficiency is that it's about having a comfortable home but using less energy to maintain that comfort yes. as opposed to not using the energy and having an uncomfortable home. Hmm. So I'd say the the period of time is anything before the 2000s, I'd say is probably they get, you know, there's different degrees of poorness. Yes. Yeah, I think, like, going through all the different homes that I've been in over the years, um, like, you can see, like, the double brick homes of the, you know, 1930s and before, like, you know, they're quite energy efficient. Like, they they say cold quite easily in summer but also retain the heat in winter. Um and they've also got their level little fireplaces in almost every single room, which, you know, at the time was the only one that heated up their houses. Uh, but, like, I always point out this to a lot of real estate agents that 95% of those period homes, their dining rooms were actually facing north because that's where the families generally congregated, um, you know, pre-TV, pre, you know, maybe the radio was in there or something like that, but that was their conversation space. And so the north-facing dining room was essentially... The, the place where everyone lived. I'm not sure if you noticed that or is it just me? I haven't noticed that, but I probably haven't been through as many houses as what you've been through. I think yeah. the key thing too on that is which era of home is more or less energy efficient. And I think the point yeah. that you were just making, Sue, was really around orientation. It's such an important yeah. um, component is to look at which way is north, which rooms are mm-hmm. going to benefit from that and making sure there's windows to the north. Yeah. And I think sometimes by chance there's a lot of buildings that have consciously done that others have unconsciously yeah. done that and so it really is if you're um, choosing a new home that's already um, an existing home and you're looking at buying it it really is which ones make the, which ones can you adjust to ensure that you get that good north because it makes a fundamental difference um, in terms of the energy efficiency and it makes it so much easier and more comfortable to live in if you have got that north orientation and your well-being, if you're well, yes. you know, it, it does lift your well-being if you've got that vitamin D coming through those windows. Yeah. And it also, yeah. one of the key things too is it, it actually saves you a lot of money. Like it can take mm. months off your home loan if you're not paying for heating bills because the nicest rooms in your house are actually getting the sun in them so that you get free energy from the sun to heat them as opposed to yeah. having to heat them yourself. So I think there's a lot of benefits um, of energy efficiency in looking at those, those values. Yes, definitely. Now, 
without having to spend a fortune, what are some of the simple things we can do to make our homes more energy efficient? Um, are we talking existing homes or new homes? Because they all existing homes, things like to me, block a draft or get some heavier curtains around the windows. I would say both of those are the top two. Um, I, the, yeah, the, the <laughs> yeah. blocking of the drafts, I think, is a key one because basically when you've got drafts and you've got yeah. holes in your house that you're basically heating or cooling inside the house and just letting it go out. So that's really the number one and it can be mm. really cost-effective to do. Um, for a couple of hundred dollars, you can pretty mm. much seal up all the gaps in your, your home and it is something to quite easy to do yeah. as a DIY activity on a weekend. You don't need to get experts in to do yes. that. Um, the next thing is, like you say, the curtains and pelmets are really important, uh, particularly the windows are one of the weakest parts of the house. And even with double glazing, the rating of a double glazed window compared to an insulated wall sitting next to it is fundamentally different. Like even a triple glazed window is still not as efficient as a, an insulated wall. So it really is about that helmets and curtains. Uh, ceiling insulation is another key one. If you, a lot of times you can't put insulation into your walls as easily but you can in a lot of cases get into your ceiling and that is one of the the key things and it's you know it's a bit more expensive than the other two options but for it is it will make a fundamental difference and so because hot air rises in particular basically stopping that hot air rising and just Mm -hmm. going up through your ceiling um, is a key way to make your home more comfortable and so I think they're the, the top ones it's also the other one is shading so um, from the you know yes. out summer sun, uh, whilst it's good to get the sun in in winter, it's you know really important to shade that. So ideally, you'd have eaves, yeah. and because the north sun can be controlled by eaves quite easily, you may not have to add additional shading. Yes. But um, it's really about getting that external shading to stop the sun from getting into the house. And in a lot of cases, people go, oh, I've got curtains, I'll just draw those. But the sun's still coming into the room because as soon as it passes through the window, whereas if you can keep the sun off the windows and off the walls from outside, basically that'll keep the overall temperature cooler inside. So it's really that shape first. And it's quite affordable to buy those, like a little bit of colour bond and a couple of little triangular strut sort of thing and then put that onto it like you can do it tastefully or you know metal brackets or something to yep. put over a window yep. if you've got no eaves it's really not yep. that hard and yeah. shade cloth is a really good one because it cuts the majority yeah. you can still see through and it still lets air yeah. through if you happen to open the window so there are yeah there's quite a few i suppose simple potentially diy um processes that you can take i think the yeah. other key thing on shading is um for north shading having horizontal shading that comes out you know similar to your eaves is effective but for east and west because the sun's much lower in the sky on the east and west you actually have to vertically shade so you really need to get shading that covers your window to a certain degree and that's Mm. the benefit again of focusing on the north is because you can have a horizontal veranda or something coming out um, it basically means it's quite easy to shade without distracting from the view whereas to your east and west to shade those um, because the sun's lower, you either have to have a very, 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 very wide veranda or yeah. you have to shade it vertically. Yeah. And pergolas are great. If you can grow like some sort of grapevine or something over the top, it's, you know, in winter it lets the sun in, in summer it shades the space. It's historic architecture, isn't it? It's just those principles yeah. coming into place. 
And just on that, I might just um, do a, a small plug for the Your Home Guide. Um, yes. So the Australian government has just released the latest um, updated edition of Your Home, which is www.yourhome.gov.au, and it actually goes through all those principles. So it actually talks about external shading. It talks about insulation. It's, it's you know, um, it's a wonderful resource to understand and learn about all the different tips and tricks and things that you can do to make a home yeah. more energy efficient. So um, in terms of shading, it's got those kinds of ideas in it as well, and it talks about appliances. Yeah, there's a whole range of things that it, it's worth checking it out if you want to know more information about any of those sorts of things. Yeah, sounds good. We'll definitely put that in our um, show notes at the end of this podcast. However, we will have a short break and come back with more from Jodie Pipcorn from the Commonwealth Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources. So you're listening to Real Estate Right, and we are talking to Jody Pickhorn from the Commonwealth Department of Industry, Science, Energy, and Resources about energy ratings and what do they mean. That's a big sort of department, isn't it? It's, it's very, very big. big. <laughs> that's why that's why we often we often use the acronym DISA. Okay. Because it's then the um, all of that shortened becomes DISA. So yes. Yeah, I work at DISA. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, Jody, what do you get points for when determining the energy rating? Points, stars, similar? It's not quite. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, it's, so basically, the star rating is on a scale of zero to ten. Um, the current yeah. star rating, and ultimately, you can go up in increments. So you could get a five point five, five point six. So you get different. Yeah. I suppose it's a point scale, but. The way it's determined is really around um, the megajoules per metres squared um, that your house uses. So yeah. as I mentioned earlier, we do we have a calculation tool and it uses, it's based on the CSIRO. They've basically done all the science behind it and they've got mm-hmm. a benchmark tool that's used and an engine that underpins it. So it's a really robust tool that's used to underpin all of these these ratings and it uses mm-hmm. physics. So it basically calculates how much sun comes into a room and based on how much sun comes in, it determines how warm will that room get. Or yeah. it also takes into account the construction of the, the roof, the walls, the floor, and it basically calculates how much heat and um, cool moves through those different surfaces and so okay. um, like a physics thing. So based yes. on how much comes in, it determines how much heating and cooling load will be needed for that home. And the star rating system basically says has has determined if you need X amount of megajoules per metre squared, your house is 6.5 rated. Or if your house needs um, Y amount of megajoule per metre squared, it is a 10 star. So basically that star rating is a, a measuring tape and it's, it's determined by how much megajoules per metre squared your house needs and where that falls on that, that measuring tape is what your star rating is. Okay, I'm just going to give you a question without notice. Now, yeah. what happens if I put a nice little hedge of potosterums up on my border and they go really, really high and the sun, it cuts out some of the sun? Will that energy rating change in a few years' time or 
Yes, if you got it re-rated. So the way it's determined yeah. at the moment um, for the, the building envelope aspect and the thermal aspect, yeah. which is NATO's currently um, calculates for meeting those compliance with the minimum standards, they yeah. basically assume particular conditions around the house because the house hasn't been built and particularly yes. when it's a, a new estate, you can't mm-hmm. assume whether there's going to be, is there a two-storey or a one-storey building beside you? So there are yes. assumptions that are built into the, the tool or that the assessors yeah. have to follow. Um, and in terms of trees and other things outside, um, a lot of the times, unless it's a heritage-listed tree that's going to definitely be there into the future, a lot of that yeah. is that you, you assume that the tree doesn't exist and so... Um, in a lot of cases, it means you'll be getting more sun in. So like you say, you could cut out the sun, but it can also mean that um, you're actually getting more benefit from it when you may be shaded. So it's it's yes. not a perfect system because of those no. conditions. But what happens is because we're, um, like I mentioned earlier with the National Scorecard Initiative, by bringing in those ratings for existing homes and those ratings um, we're looking at aligning with the new build ratings it means over time you can actually assess a building off the plan before it's built and then you can get an in-home assessment later on and some of these other factors could be taken into account in different circumstances so that's the benefit of us making sure there's a system for new and existing buildings that all align and that we can make sure that people could actually test these different things themselves over time as well sounds good okay now just so people understand, like I like to put examples in, if I had solar hot water with a gas booster, how would that affect my or in- increase my, my star rating? So um, at the moment, Natos doesn't do the whole of home. The National Scorecard Initiative does and okay. we are bringing into Natos the whole of home. Yes. So at the moment, because the appliances aren't in, um, it right. won't affect your the one you currently use for your six star yeah if you meet it using that for compliance but basically what will happen is that the more efficient appliance you bring in what that means is that you'll actually end up using less energy yeah and so because this is based on amount of energy that you're actually using yeah. you'll the more efficient appliance you get the less energy you use so the better the star rating of the building okay what is the highest rating you can get it's 10, isn't it? Yep, 10 star. And so the 10 star, um, like I mentioned, is the thermal rating. So you can get a 10 star. It is um, challenging in a lot of areas to get a 10 star, which, you know, you have to go um, over and above for that Mm -hmm. one. So in a lot of cases, people may not go the full 10, but the closer to 10 you get, the better your house is going to be and the more comfortable. And... What's the highest house that you've actually heard of in terms of getting a rating or star rating? I have I have heard that there are 10-star homes around. Yeah. I haven't looked to see um, whether they tweaked anything on those, yeah. but there are, there are a couple that are 10. I think uh, in a lot of cases at the moment, the National Construction Code is currently consulting on moving the star rating to seven stars as a minimum. Okay. So nice. um, at the moment, and I know in Victoria, they are looking at moving to seven stars. Yeah. And so that's seen as very doable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think getting to eight and a half stars in a lot of cases is in a lot of climates is quite doable. But you do, I suppose, the 
the higher the stars you get, you, over time you do get diminishing returns and it's really that cost um, effectiveness point, yeah. which is looking at where is the best bang for buck in doing this. And so trying to strive for a 10 star is ideal, but at the same time you might go, actually, I'm going to strive for an eight and a half star. Yeah. That's as far as I need to go. And then I'm going to put in really efficient appliances and put in some renewable energy. Yeah. And I have this really efficient home. Yeah. And I'd rather spend my money then on an EV rather than on um, something else. So it's really that that choice. Yeah. And the, the thing that Natus does allow you to do is try out where is it that you could make some changes to make it um, more efficient yeah. and where can you do that most cost effectively yeah. so that you actually, it helps you with your choices as to should I put do this or should I do that? You can test it out and go, actually, that'll give me better bang for buck and that's actually a cheaper thing to do. Yeah. So I'm going to do that one instead of doing this other one. Okay. And you can test those in the tool before you actually construct it. Nice. Um, talking about EVs, are they going to lower your house star rating? knowing that you're draining an extra bit of energy out of your home? They won't be included. Um, they, you know, well into the future they could be included. At the moment, yeah. though, the, the rating is very much for the house and looking at how to make that as efficient as possible. And the key yeah. thing to note is that the more efficient you make the home and the less energy you're using in your home frees up that renewable energy that you're producing if you've got solar panels on your yeah. home to actually use that for your EVs and other purposes. And yeah. Key thing for energy efficiency is really lowering those energy use at the peak times. So, for example, mm-hmm. when it starts to go dark at night, and often, you know, and particularly during winter, um, you know, it hasn't been as sunny, so you, you know, you haven't been producing as much energy. And if you've got a battery, but it's that peak time when it's gone dark, you want to turn the heater on, you turn on all your appliances, and you're using a lot of energy. And often, mm-hmm. when you use energy, may not coincide with when the sun's shining. And batteries can go a certain way, but if you still have very energy inefficient thermal shell or appliances in your home, you're going to be still drawing a lot of energy at those peak times. And so it really is energy efficiency and improving the the thermal performance of your home is really about improving the comfort, but lowering those energy at the peak times. And what Um, particularly through the thermal shell um, improvements is that you can actually reduce when you need that energy and so your house could stay warmer all through the day so you've got a lot of spare capacity in your battery at night because you haven't had to use any during the day because you've got a a good thermal shell and because the house may, if you've got some thermal mass that holds the heat inside, that lag gives you a bit more. So you only have to have your heater on really late at night because your house is still holding that heat throughout the evening and so it's really looking at how do you make sure that you're getting the best bang for buck um, from comfort comfort and reduced energy across the board yeah you just jump into bed and you know be under the doona and turn the heater off and plug in your ev couldn't you you could (laughs) (laughs) oh that's sometimes the you know a blanket works just as well and a lot of people have (laughs) these days you know those lap electric blankets so um oh do they yeah i still use power yeah, so it uses power, but it's on your lap. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of goes part way to put a blanket on you, but uses energy. So is that really, yeah, the 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 best approach? Oh, I put a little weed bag. Yeah, <laughs> I think the thing though too, um, and I suppose from my personal reflection, when I um, I've got an existing home that I 
did a whole lot of different energy efficiency improvements on and I actually put helmets and heavy curtains in the bedroom and I did find just making that change uh, whilst it seemed small I wasn't waking up breathing you know fog in the morning and I then didn't wake up with a a bit of a sore throat because I've been breathing in such cold air so I think it is of even getting under the blanket there's still a a comfort level within the space and Um, you know there's a lot of steps like whilst you can still use blankets just making sure the overall comfort's better I think doing yes. a few all energy efficiency things you know pelmets curtains draft yes. ceiling insulation yes. in the ceiling a lot of those simple things can go a long way to making you feel comfortable overall with going to a seven star rating how much extra is that going to add to the cost of building a home well like I've mentioned before it all depends um yeah if you're building in the design right from the start and yeah. on the Your Home website, it's actually got some design for place free house plans that are mm-hmm. actually, you know, seven or eight star rated. So you can, um, because they use good design principles, mm-hmm. it actually doesn't have to cost you very much extra at all if you've designed yeah. it right. So ultimately yeah. it could be no cost. Um, there was some research that the Commonwealth did a few years ago now that actually looked at a least cost study and mm. they actually found that some of the designs, because they chose some standard designs and ran them through the tools, mm-hmm. and they found moving some of those designs to seven star, they actually found that they actually made the prices cheaper because by mm. making some of the changes to the house, they could actually meet the star rating with less cost. Mm. And so because some of the houses that often um, are being constructed are facing south, so to even meet a six-star standard, they've put in a lot of insulation, they've had to put in double glazing and do all these things. If they had have just designed it from the outset and just, you know, if if possible, oriented it in the right way, all of a sudden you don't need the double glazing, you don't need as much insulation because yeah. of the fact that you're actually getting that, that free sun in. So yeah. a lot of it, if you can design it from the outset, seven-star doesn't actually have to cost anything extra. Yeah. Um, but if you're just using the standard design that you've currently got and hoping to um, improve that and you're just up it, like just increasing insulation and double glazing, it will cost more. But that's yeah. where it's really about, particularly for new homes, getting in early and making sure you're designing it really effectively from the outset. And that's where Natters can help with that yeah. design because you can test different things to see which is the best approach. Yeah. And so it's, it's a process, that's for sure. Last question, because, you know, our Prime Minister's just gone over to Glasgow, wasn't it, to do the whole, yep. you know, 2050 reaching zero emissions target. Now, how much will Australia's new target to reach zero emissions by 2050 make an impact on building property? So in terms of, I suppose, the how much it will make an impact, the key thing is is that um, in 2019, all of the energy ministers actually committed to the trajectory to low energy buildings. Okay. Um, and basically that was a commitment to zero energy and carbon ready buildings. So as I've mentioned, it's about getting the buildings ready to be zero by using either energy generated on-site or off-site. Yeah. And so that commitment was made in 2019 and it had a range of measures and initiatives that we're developing at the moment. Um, to improve our building stock over time and so ultimately we've got we've got a, a, quite a good pathway at the moment yeah. to head towards that zero and in a lot of cases houses can you know and buildings overall can in a lot of cases easily meet a zero energy 
um, requirement. It's yeah. just how do you balance that across the system? So I think in terms of what it looks like for buildings, it really is each person playing their small role of reducing yeah. their energy as much as possible when they're, if they, you know, can put solar panels on and use that energy in the home, it reduces their, their bills as well as um, improving um all the benefits that solar panels can do and reducing our greenhouse gas emissions. But I think it is, like I've mentioned earlier, it is about getting that energy efficiency as low as possible so that people have lower running costs and yeah. more comfort, but they can then free up that energy to be used for electric vehicles or for use yeah. for other purposes. And in yeah. a lot of cases, particularly for existing homes, trying to bring existing homes up to a higher standard can be very expensive because they're already in place, they're already constructed. Mm. And so it's really looking at can some buildings go, you know, um, more positive with their energy that they're actually putting more, you know, green energy into the grid and then other houses and um, buildings that can't do that so much can be drawing from that, but they're actually reducing their energy as much as possible so that they actually don't need much and it frees that energy up to move around to the places that, um, yeah, do find it more difficult to to reach a zero energy or zero carbon yeah. target. So in terms of building a home, will that go all the way through to manufacturing? So the, the, the timber mills and the, the brickworks and the, you know, steel manufacturers, they'll all have to, yeah, will they have to be compliant, I guess, to have it from ground zero, if you like, all the way to uh, the actual finished build? So at the moment, um, there's no proposals on the table for that, but there is work, and I know okay. particularly in, in New South Wales, they are doing work looking at embodied carbon. So when we say embodied yes. carbon, it's exactly that. It's how much carbon has been embodied in that piece of manufacturing that yeah. um, means that throughout the process to develop that piece of material, it's used a certain amount of greenhouse gas emissions along the way. And so... Embodied carbon is something that even internationally there's different schemes out there that rate embodied carbon, but it is yeah. it is a very difficult and challenging process because um, years ago I did actually was as part of my studies I was looking at this and the, the biggest challenge is, is do at what point do you stop the process because if you think about there's a factory, so you have people coming to the factory. So should the people's food that they ate for breakfast be considered as part of the carbon numbers that go into manufacturing that thing? And you go, okay, so how far back do you go? So there are systems out there that have calculated um, that process and going forward there'll probably be more of those. At the moment, though, a lot of our energy rating um, systems and the the star rating system that we've got in Australia is very much focused on that that energy use and doing that as a primary thing that if we can reduce that enough, it then frees up, I suppose, um, more uh, potential for greenhouse gas emissions to be saved elsewhere um, or to be considered elsewhere. So it very much is a stepping stone and that's the journey we're on as we go forward, I think, is what does it mean for embodied energy? And I think in years to come, there'll be a lot of that will be looked at more and more over time. Yeah. Sounds like we're on the progress to success with this whole um, zero emissions thing. So that's yeah. cool. No, a, there is a lot in place. And I think it's just, <laughs> again, it's that everyone doing their little bit. And I think a lot of what the, the governments mm-hmm. are doing at the moment is making sure that people have the information and tools available to make those informed choices and try and make it as easy as possible that yeah. if people are looking for information about how to do a good home, that's where your home you know, kicks in and then Natter's 
you know, takes a lot of the your home principles and actually puts that into a rating tool that means that you can just more easily compare two different decisions because there's actually a kind of number sitting behind it as opposed to it being a sort of generic theory and principle. So the two of those work hand in hand and I think um, going forwards, I think that puts everyone hopefully in good stead to help do their contribution yep. towards that the zero, zero, zero target. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jodie, for coming on to Real Estate Right. I think you've created a better understanding of what we can do to make our homes more efficient. Now, where can people find out more about energy ratings and how they can get their homes assessed? So the best place to go is to www.natters, which is N-A-T-H-E-R-S.gov.au. And basically on that NATO's website, it's got a whole lot of information um, that I've explained today and it talks about assessments, including the in-home assessment for existing homes and the new assessments for new homes or major renovations. Yeah, sounds good. And we'll also have that Your Home website on on our uh, social media and website as well. So thanks so much, Jodie, for being on our show. Next week, we have Chris Martzers back on from the MPBAA, previously Sparsavik, to give us an update on the new pool and spa barrier regulations, as well as what you need to know when buying and selling a property with a pool, so don't miss it. Real Estate Right is a real copyright production, hosted and produced by me, Sue Langada. I would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music, and Francis Morello for his voiceover. Real Copyright is a leading real estate copywriting service throughout Melbourne. If you would like your property copywritten by Real Copyright, please book your copy through orders at realcopyright.com.au. If you would like us to help create more valuable real estate information for the people of Melbourne in this podcast, contact Sue at realestateright.com. .com.au Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.